This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one to two week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. You know, often when I tell people that my wife and I homeschool our kids, I often will follow that up by saying, we homeschool, but we're not homeschoolers, with a capital H. And the reason that I say that is because um, a lot of people have experience with uh, really hardcore homeschooler sorts of people who um, either believe in isolating uh, their children away from from uh, the rest of society and the caricature of that, or people who can sometimes be really divisive uh, within churches or within movements by insisting on homeschooling as though it's a thus saith the Lord uh, sort of thing. We're not. We homeschool because it works out better for us, and it, it just works uh, well for our family, and we, and we like it. And so I, I want you to know this works for us, but it's, but it's not—I don't have anything against people who do something else. Now, at the same time, I feel compelled to tell people I like the Star Wars movies, but I'm not a Star Wars person because I've enjoyed at least the Star Wars movies starting with episode four. I despise the prequels, and not because I'm some sort of purist, but because I just think they're boring. But uh, I enjoyed A New Hope. I enjoyed The Empire Strikes Back. I even enjoyed Return of the Jedi, Ewoks and all. Uh, and so I was, I was looking forward to Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, the, the, the new Disney uh, Star Wars movie, but I'm not the sort of person who has the whole Star Wars cosmology worked out and, and what have you. So having said that and having given you, given you that caveat, I'll tell you that um, I took my sons to see the new Star Wars movie, and it was, uh, it was really enjoyable. I mean, I wasn't there with, with a tent outside uh, waiting for the, the, the midnight showing of the first day, but we were there, we were there within a week or so, and uh, I found it a riveting program. I agree with my friend Ross Douthat, his column in the New York Times, he suggested that Star Wars uh, Force Awakens is, um, is a sign of America. I wouldn't agree with this, but he says it's a sign of American decadence because it's essentially the exact same movie as A New Hope. I agree with him that that's the case. I mean, you have the same themes, the same things happening in The Force Awakens, but it's still a rollicking good film. What I would say, uh, though, is that Ross suggests that one of the the driving factors behind The Force Awakens is nostalgia. And I think he sees that as a a 
bad thing creatively. He, he of course, is a nostalgic person. He doesn't have anything against nostalgia, but he sees nostalgia as a bad thing creatively. We could have that argument. Uh, what I think is interesting, as I watch the Star Wars movies, is not the kind of um, Christians seeing Luke Skywalker as a type of Christ or the Force as some sort of um, type of the Holy Spirit or, or what have you, nor the sort of Christian who wants to tisk tisk at Star Wars because it's coming from a Joseph Campbell sort of uh, pagan worldview. Of course, it is. It's it's not a it's not a Christian story. So it's coming from somewhere. People have uh, have philosophical and theological backgrounds. What I thought was interesting was the nostalgia itself, and I think there's something from that Star Wars sequel that we can actually learn about work and friendship. And I thought about this. As I was reading uh, an article in Rolling Stone uh, about the new, uh, the new Star Wars movie, and, and they're interviewing Harrison Ford, Han Solo, they're, they're interviewing Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, and, and they say this, Ford sees nostalgia the same way Han Solo used to see the Force. For him, it doesn't exist. So he didn't get sentimental when he slipped into the costume even if the sight of him next to Chewbacca had everyone else in in awe. So Harrison Ford, you know, kind of living up to his his kind of hard-bitten, sort of no-nonsense uh, persona, isn't really awe-stricken by this. But later on in the article, it says that on the set, it was different. When Hamill, Mark Hamill, walked onto the Millennium Falcon, and he emphasizes that he did this as himself, not as Luke Skywalker. He was overwhelmed. It was opening all these little windows in your memory banks, he says, how it felt to be sitting in it or just the smell of it all where, or, or where Chewie, Chewbacca, was playing chess. So you laugh a lot. I mean, you just can't believe that this is happening. It just doesn't seem real. Very different view of sort of memory and how that flows together. And then Carrie Fisher, who plays Princess Leia, she says that that people would consistently uh, ask her, would you ever be open to doing Star Wars again in all those years between Return of the Jedi and and now? Would you be willing to, to do that again? And that's a that's sort of a natural question if you think about it, because there are a lot of people who, uh, a lot of actors, whatever big role that they did, especially in a blockbuster sort of film like that, will often be embarrassed about it and uh, somehow feel that it ruined their career from doing really high-toned, uh, sophisticated things uh, later on. Uh, but th- she had a different reaction. She said, I've always been in Star Wars. I've never not been in Star Wars, but hopefully now they'll pay me again. So even more of a sense of a nostalgia that has never, uh, that has never ended. Now, here's what I think we can, we can learn from this. When I thought about watching these old characters, characters that, you know, I had not seen in these roles since I was an elementary school kid, and the way that the audience would cheer, you know, when Han Solo and Chewbacca show up in the, the Millennium Falcon, 
it reminds me of something that I've said often, and it it seems to seem truer and truer to me as as I get older. And that is the sense that these old friendships are necessary, of having people where the same stories that make up our lives are the the connect point. I've got several people in my life like that, not only people in my hometown who've known me since I was a little kid, but beyond that, people in ministry who've known me uh, since uh, seminary days and so forth. And there's something about having that common uh, history and that, that common narrative that is, uh, that, that's, I think, crucial in terms of, of doing ministry with one another. You could always have room for new uh, friendships and new relationships and new experiences, and indeed that's, that's necessary, but those old collaborations continuing on are important. And I think it's, it's really easy to let those things go because, you know, you get busy with your life, and especially as you get into the, the whir of your career and you have kids at home, you have families or whatever it is that you have going on, it's easy just to, just to kind of not make that telephone call or not, uh, not check in. And, 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 and before you know it, you've, you've lost connection and you've lost touch. Um, but there, there's something about having that, that ongoing camaraderie together in work together, even if you're not working in the same job or in the same uh, ministry, but you've got the same storyline that may, at least has some connect points together as you're carrying out what the Lord uh, gave you to do. And the kind of, um, the kind of exuberance that Mark Hamill uh, had in that article, I, I connect with that because I'll notice that uh, often when I go back uh, to places that I previously served, uh, went back to the first church that I ever uh, served, coming uh, right after uh, surrendering uh, to ministry, or or really the first substantive uh, ministry situation that I ever had. And you know, I was there the other day. I was I was uh, preaching there uh, not long ago, and I remember thinking I had no idea at the time just how good of a situation this was. We were really happy, and the Lord just really used that ministry experience in ways that I never could have predicted or never could have known in the years to come. And then when you know, I served for years and years and years and years at Southern Seminary, and uh, when I go back to Southern Seminary, I was there uh, a, few, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, at commencement exercise, and just to remember the happy times that were there and the people that you that you worked with, and you don't remember the things that you were worried about or the things that were kind of the day to day stuff. You just remember the 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 good and the blessing of uh, of having those uh, opportunities, and it reminds me of uh, Andy Bernard on The Office at the very end. Uh, end of the the sitcom uh, The Office, where he says, "I just wish we knew when we are. Uh, I wish we knew that we're living in the good old days when we're still actually in them." 
I think that's I think I think that's far more perceptive than just a sitcom. And I think the Star Wars sequel, just that sense of, yeah, it's right that this crew is back together again, even though Han Solo is gray and scruffy now, and uh, Princess Leia's getting older, and Mark Hamill, uh, you know, looks uh, looks looks kind of uh, weather beaten these days. That's a good thing. But the other thing that was interesting is that as much as that Star Wars sequel focused on nostalgia and focused on those old relationships, it didn't end there. There was the the handing over of uh, the story to a new generation. So little spoiler alert if you haven't seen it by now. And if you haven't seen it by now, why haven't you seen it by now? But Darth Vader only shows up uh, in this film in, in, in a in a broken helmet uh, that is that is there that his grandson talks to. There's a, a, a giving over of a, of a new generation. You can see there's a new cast of characters that are emerging, and they're taking that same story, and they're taking it in different ways. You know, there is a tendency. I mean, it's easy to see why you have to do that in the narrative of a film, because if you don't, you're not going to have uh, – Disney's not going to make money. They're not going to be able to keep making these movies because eventually Han Solo is going to be on a walker, and you're just not going to be able to. You're just not going to be able to make this film. It's much more difficult for us to see that in the narrative of our own lives, and so what we what we tend to to do sometimes is to think that we are the end point of the story because we see the story as just our own lives rather than as Christians seeing the story as something that, uh, that begins uh, with Abraham and indeed before Abraham and, and courses its way all the way through past us as the Great Commission goes forward into the New Jerusalem. So we need to be cultivating and we need to be mentoring and we need to be pouring ourselves out into the future cast of characters for the Great Commission and for the the sign of the kingdom that is the local church. So if you see a church that is only focused on newness and novelty, you're going to see a dying church that's not effective for the Great Commission. It's not rooted. But at the same time, if you see a church that is consumed with the past— or indeed any institution or organization, it's consumed with the past and maintaining uh, the past, then you see a church or an institution that is ultimately going to die. And in your life, if you are ignoring where you came from and you're ignoring the, the, the camaraderie that God has given to you in previous um, opportunities for serving him, that's a bad situation to be in, if you are ignoring the future because it scares you, it reminds you of your own mortality, that's also a bad sign. We need both of those two things together. We don't need Star Wars to teach us that. But it, it just reminded me as I'm, as I'm watching that of, of what I constantly have to remind myself of as I think about the end of my ministry in view I don't want to go out when that day comes like King Saul, throwing spears at the next generation. I want to go out like the Apostle Paul, pouring himself out into Timothy and into Titus 
and into the churches that are around. And I think that's a decision we need to make long before the time that we get to the end of our particular place in the string of narratives. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.